have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. This is a People of War podcast. Enjoy. Finally sang a song I knew. I apologize uh, this evening starting out because I have been battling, as you can tell, uh, some sinus problems and allergy problems, and so I'm going to, I can sing bass real well, but uh, besides that, uh, thank you for inviting me and letting me come. I haven't done this in a long time. We may be here till midnight. You know that old joke. Uh, you know what? You know what it means when a uh, when a, a preacher takes his watch off and puts it up on the podium. Doesn't mean a thing. Uh, and that that might be me tonight. I don't know. <sighs> I. Uh, Going to School of Preaching at Brown Trail, I had uh, Wendell Winkler as a second year teacher in homiletics. And he taught us that you should tell them what you're going to tell them, tell them, and then at the end, tell them what you told them. Well, that's kind of what I'm going to do tonight. And... Uh, we're talking about the Holy Spirit from the Gospel of John. I love all of the Gospels. For years, Matthew was my favorite. And for a lot of different reasons. But Stacy Sykes, who served up in Hibbing, Minnesota, and you don't know where that is, look it up on a map. It's, it's up there. He was an artist and a minister, and he created a great colored code system in the book of John and then he did Luke and he did Acts and First uh, and Second Corinthians and many of the books and what he did is take each chapter and apply a, a particular by the way this isn't in my notes so this is free uh, that he took particularly a um, uh, each chapter and applied a color to it and that you can remember at least that one item in that chapter. And uh, it was a great technique uh, of remembering John. I got into that. He told me that he had studied the Bible with uh, denominational groups in, up in Hibbing where he would study with them uh, and the John and then do Acts. And they loved it. And because of that, it really opened the eyes of a lot of people. And I really appreciate uh, Stacy opening my eyes to the Gospel of John. 
Tonight we're going to look at that the same spirit that was with Jesus in his ministry upon this earth is the same spirit he gave to the disciples and to us. The same spirit we're going to see tonight from the book of John was sent from God because Jesus requested that. And then that same spirit is also given so that we, as well as the disciples, in the pages of John, would not feel like they had been desolate or no longer are fatherless. That's really what the word in the Greek means in, as orphan. And then we're going to look at from the book of John, the same spirit that gives us life. Just not life, abundant life like Jesus talked about in John 10 verse 10, but a life that is from above. And then the same spirit, as we'll look at it in the Gospel of John, confronted the world about Jesus. And then we're going to close out by looking at how that spirit, same spirit that's in us was in the disciples that Jesus had promised to come empowers us to witness to the world. And so that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. Um, you will notice that I do not have the scriptures written out. If you open your Bibles to the book of John, whether the gospel of John, one good friend of mine used to call it Big John. You open up to Big John and you will find that we're going to kind of journey. We're going to spend primarily in chapters 14, 15, and 16. But we're going to start in chapter 1, starting out. The same spirit that Jesus gave, was given, should I say, while he was on this earth in his ministry, is the same spirit that he gives to us. John chapter 1, we find that John the Baptist says in verse 29, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Later on in that same chapter in verse 34, he says, And I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. How did he know he was the Son of God? We read in verse 32 of that chapter, when John says, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained upon him. Did you pick that up? Did you see what, not only did the Spirit come upon Jesus, but he remained on him, it says. He didn't have him part-time. The Holy Spirit, as John says, empowered Jesus. And God gave that Spirit to him, as he says in verse 34 of chapter 3, that for God does not give that Spirit, as he says, by measure. Just a, a portion here and a portion there and a portion there. He gives the Spirit to Jesus in his ministry full-fledged, totally. There's no other amount. There's not three-quarters or 99.9%. He had a full measure of the Holy Spirit. Luke's account in Luke 4 says that he went into a synagogue, Jesus does, and as he enters into that synagogue, 
he finds himself being handed a scroll of scriptures. He unrolls that scroll and he reads it. And here's what he read from Isaiah 61 verse 1. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. What is so interesting about that, as he rolls that scroll back up of that scripture and hands it back, he says and states in verse 21, Today, he says, that has been fulfilled. Jesus knew when that dove descended at his baptism, the Holy Spirit, he had the full measure of that Holy Spirit. A great lesson for you and I to learn from this point is the fact that the same Spirit that Jesus had while He walked and ministered upon this earth is the very same Spirit that raised Him from the dead and it's the same Spirit that dwells in us. Listen to what Paul says in Romans chapter 8, verse 11. But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. And so we have that as a great promise and a great privilege of, to be involved. The same Spirit sent from God and Jesus, may I say, was upon the request that Jesus made. In John 14, in verse 16, I want you to listen very carefully. Jesus said, in preparing His disciples for a very ugly time that's about to happen of His crucifixion, trying to prepare them, and said, but I'm not going to leave you without some help. Now listen to what He says. And I will pray the Father... And He will give you another helper. Maybe your translation might say comforter. That He may abide with you forever. One of my instructors in the school shared something with me that has stuck with me for a long time. When we came to that, I thought of another. He's going to uh, give another something different? Absolutely not. Literally in that word another, it means another of the very same kind. The Spirit represented Jesus. Jesus represented the Father. The Holy Spirit represented God the Father. They were one in all that they did. And that Helper was going to come as He is described as the Holy Spirit in verse 26 of verse 14. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, Jesus speaking here, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all the things that I said to you. Listen to what John 15, when Jesus said in verse 26, states, But when the Helper comes, whom I shall send, this is Jesus speaking, whom I shall send to you from the Father. Just because we might say the Father sent the Spirit upon the request of Jesus, 
Jesus, upon His request, is also sending the Spirit to His disciples, preparing them. And that Spirit is going to testify. End of verse 26 of chapter 15 of John, He will testify of Jesus. Jesus made it very plain to them in chapter 16 of John. In verse 7, unless I leave, the Spirit will not come. The Helper will not come. So He had to leave. But he says in the latter part of verse 7, but if I depart, I will send him to you. A great lesson for you and I to learn from this is that we have this wonderful spirit. This same spirit that Jesus promised to his disciples and the same spirit that we can rely on and, and, and know that he's there for us to comfort us, to help us, to walk alongside of us. Another of the very same kind of what Jesus represented His Heavenly Father. We're familiar with Acts 2.38. If you've been in this place of meeting, you've heard Acts 2.38 a lot of times. But I love verse 39. Remember what it says in verse 38? When they were not wanting to be uh, feeling the guilt of the sin of crucifying Jesus, what must we do? They asked Peter and the apostles. Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And listen to what he says. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. A lot of people say, well, what was that gift? Oh, it was salvation. Thank you. What, what, it, what was that wonderful gift? Was it salvation? No. If I gave you and I'm not going to do this. If I gave you a gift of a car, what would that gift be? A car. The gift of the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit. Which, of course, aids and helps in giving us our salvation, of course. That walks alongside of us. That comforts us. And because of that, we find that we have that wonderful... But I mentioned 39 a few moments ago. Listen to what he says. Peter says that for this promise, for the promise is to you and to your children and to all those that are afar off. I wonder who those people who are afar off. Well, I think you're ahead of me. You already know. But I want to use another passage that's not on the screen, but I can't, you know, when you go over a lesson and go over a lesson and go over, you keep adding to it. And that's what I did tonight. Ephesians chapter 2, Paul writes in verse 12 and 13, that at the time you were without Christ being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope without God, in the world. But now. In Christ Jesus. You were once. Were afar off. That same phrase that Peter used in Acts 2. 39. Were afar off. Having been brought near. By the blood of Christ. And so we find that. In the beautiful message of. God's holy word. That we have. 
we who were afar off have by the power of the blood of Christ and we have the Holy Spirit that was given. And then let's look at that the same Spirit that is given to the disciples and to us so that we will not be orphaned. You go back to chapter 1, verse 1 of John, you read one a passage that we're well acquainted with. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Later on in verse 14 of that chapter, it says these words. And the Word became flesh. We know who that was. That's Jesus Christ Himself. He became flesh. He dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Even on down in verse 18 of this great chapter 1 of John. No one has seen God at any time, the only begotten Son, who is in the bosom of the Father. He has declared Him. You get get close enough to be in somebody's bosom, you're pretty close. And they are close. The Father and the Son are close. And they got to be held. They got to watch His glory and experience. But we also, I don't want to jump jump ahead too quick on that thought, but I want us to know that we are not going to be left without some help. We're not going to be left, as as I mentioned to you, the word orphans in the text of John 14, verse 18. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you, he says. It means that you won't be bereaved. You won't be fatherless. You won't be desolate. But how will Jesus come to them if he's going to be leaving them? Well, we well know he appeared after his resurrection many times. That's one way. But you know what another way is? You're already ahead of me again. The Holy Spirit. He sends that helper of another, of the same kind, to his disciples and to us. As Jesus spoke the words of his Father, The Spirit speaks the words of the Son. Here's a great application. Here's a great lesson for you and I to learn. And and turn your be turning to chapter 14 of John. And and we're going to look at verse 23 just in a few moments. But the great application is that as Jesus prayed to the Father that He's going to give another helper to His disciples, He has promised the very same thing. And He will abide with you, with us forever. We always have the Spirit. Even if we don't like that idea at times in our lives. I mentioned John 14 verse 23. Listen to this. Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my Father will love him. Now listen. And we will come to Him and make our home with Him. 
Who is this we business? And who is this our business? It's the one that Jesus has requested and say, I don't need to leave them desolate. I don't need to leave them without some help, Father. Send your spirit to them and aid them so that we, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit will abide, remain with them and be at home with them. And then this same spirit that was given to the disciples and given to you and I is the same spirit that gives life. But that life is from above. It's not from the flesh. It's not a life that we can just say, okay, I've been born into this world, so I have life. Well, you have a form of life, but not the life that he has promised through the Holy Spirit from above. John the Baptist in chapter 1 in verse 33 his testimony that Jesus was the Son of God not only witnessed that the Holy Spirit descending identifying Him as the Messiah, as the Christ but also He would be the one that would come and baptize with the Holy Spirit. John in that context contrast his baptism unto repentance with the new baptism that this one that would be coming that he recognized as the Messiah, Jesus the Christ, he would introduce by being the Son of God by, being, by, by baptizing them in the Holy Spirit. We're very familiar in John 3 of the encounter that he had Jesus had with Nicodemus. In verse 3 and verse 7, he says that this particular baptism, being born again, is from above. In verse 5 and verse 6 and verse 8, Jesus comments further, clarifying that that, that birth, that baptism of the Holy Spirit from above must be defined as being born of the Spirit. I do not believe, and you can take me to task about this later, but I do not believe that he's talking about the charismatic gifts. He's talking about when we have been obedient to God in baptism. We find ourselves receiving the regeneration of the believer's spirit with life from above. Being born of the spirit allows the believer to see and enter into the kingdom of God. That is the promise that has been given. A great lesson that we need to learn from this is that John the Baptist was permitted to see the confirmation of Jesus as the Son of God we also see who Jesus is as the Son of God when we are baptized and regenerated with this Spirit that He has promised us. And it all begins with this idea of faith. I like to call the saving faith of the Scriptures live, active, obedient, submissive, trusting faith. That's, that describes the kind of faith that saves. When a person says, well, I've been saved by faith. I say, well, so have I. Do you trust Him? Well, no. Then you haven't been saved by faith. Right. 
How about obedience? Well, no, I, I don't always want to obey Him. I'm questioned in your faith. Not that I'm the judge by any means, but based on what I understand, John chapter 1, verse 12 and 13, but as many as received Him, to them He gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in His name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Because of that, they received that wonderful spirit. I'd like for you to consider something though. That faith that is talked about there is just the beginning faith, not the ultimate faith of obedience and submission and trust and as we talked about. If I, in my pocket, if I gave you the keys to my car and handed it to you, you have every right, you have every authority now to take that car and drive off with it. But just because you have the keys, does that mean that you're in the car? See, that's the beginning. I believe this faith that is talked about here is a, a beginning stage faith. One that will, when he hands me, said, I want you to receive salvation, HK. I'm going to take that from him, but I'm going to eventually show some action by getting inside of that car and driving off. Inside of that salvation and driving off. And then, we're almost done. You know what that means from a preacher, don't you? Nothing. The Spirit confronts the world this same spirit that we're talking about confronts the world about Jesus. In John 14, in verse 17, Jesus warns them. Now remember, 14, 15, and 16 are times prior to the, um, the, the cross. And He's trying to get them ready for that time period. He's trying to ease into it for them. And so he says, the spirit of truth, verse 17 of John 14, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. If I've read that correctly, will be in you. It's not quite there yet, but he's coming. Not that he... He's not there beside them now because He is. He has said that. He dwells with you and will be in you. And of course, He enlightens upon that throughout the, uh, through the next uh, couple of chapters about how He does this by reminding them of what Jesus taught them and some new things. I bring that to your attention because you see, the world has not accepted Christ. Not everybody in the world. Jesus said in Matthew, excuse me, in John chapter 5, verse 30, I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is righteous, because I do not seek my own, but uh, my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. 
He came to do the Father's will. We always run to that time when He prayed, Father, remove this cup from me. Not my will, but thine be done. And He said that before He even prayed that prayer, that He came to do the will of His Father. Now with that in mind, look at chapter 16 with me in verse 14 and 15. 14 specifically. He's talking about the Holy Spirit here. Jesus is. He, the Holy Spirit, will glorify me. For He, the Holy Spirit, will take of what is mine and declare it to you. Just another way of showing that He's not going to come with a new message or a different message. He's got the same message that Jesus had, that He shared with the world, and the world rejected Him. Turn to chapter 16, verse 8 through 11. Spend just a moment here. Jesus explains here in this context, three evidences would be used by the Spirit to convict the world that is refusing to be open to God's will. By sin, righteousness, and judgment. Sin in verse 9 of sin because they don't, do not believe me, He says. That's why the... The world is convicted by the Spirit because they do not believe who I am. Back in chapter 8, verse 24, Jesus says, Unless you believe that I am He, you'll die in your sins. So the Spirit's going to use that and say, Listen, we need to convict the world of their sin because they don't believe who Jesus is. And then also in verse 10 of John 16, of the righteousness. Righteousness because I go to the Father and you see me no more. Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection and ascension back to the Father is evidence that proves the world wrong about their righteousness and proves them wrong that they should embrace the righteousness that Jesus has promised to give them. Not of their own righteousness, Paul talks about in Romans but of the righteousness that came from God, that Jesus represented and shared. The Holy Spirit convicts them of this righteousness. And the Holy Spirit convicts them of judgment. I guess I've seen this before, and I must have forgotten it. But as I was studying on this, I thought, as verse 11 says, of John 16, of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. He's condemned already. You know when he was condemned? He was condemned by and when Christ died on the cross. Satan had the victory, he thought. He had killed the Messiah. He had killed the Christ. He had killed the one that, that he thought he had won. But instead... As they laid him in the tomb, which is now empty, because he's been raised from the dead, Satan realized, I didn't win after all. And I'm condemned by the cross. That wasn't my victory, that was my death march. By this man named Jesus, the Son of God, Jesus Christ. 
John chapter 12 and verse 31 and 32 says, Now is the judgment, now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. Jesus speaking, mind you. And I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all peoples to myself. And he will condemn and judge Satan, his enemy. A great lesson for us to learn here and apply for ourselves is this. If the world would accept the testimony of the Spirit regarding who Jesus is, the Son of God, it would know the truth concerning its sin, Jesus' righteousness, and the condemnation and the judgment of Satan. But if the world continues to reject the Son of God, the Spirit will prove it wrong on each of these matters. That they are in sin, missing the mark. They are not righteous and right with God because they're refusing who Jesus is and they are going to be condemned because of it. They're following after Satan's way. That is why it's so important for us to get the message out. To talk to people about Jesus Christ, of who He is and what He has done. I remember studying the Bible with a, a fella up in Wisconsin. It's spring. A little bit of snow still on the ground. It's late spring. We come to a place in the Scriptures and he realizes, HK, I haven't accepted what Jesus has offered for me. I want to be baptized. I said, well, let's get to the church. But he said, no, I want to go to a creek. And I said, all right, let's go to a creek. And we did. Ice cold. Ice cold. But he wanted to be baptized. Buried in baptism in that place. That was his choice. And I wasn't going to fight him over the matter. I just went home and soaked my feet and my body in warm water. When we accept this message that Jesus has given to us, commissioned to us to go in all the world, we need to do that. And we start next door. We don't, we don't jump on a ship or jump on a plane and go somewhere. We start next door. Lastly, believe it or not, the Holy Spirit empowers, the same Spirit empowers our witness to the world. We've talked a little bit about that. When a person is a witness and he testifies in a court of law, He is assumed that he is going to tell the truth. We don't have to assume about the truth coming from God, the Father, and the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 3, verse 33, John the Baptist says, He who has received his testimony has certified that God is true. There's a song in Deuteronomy uh, that, well, words in Deuteronomy that I like uh, to sing sometimes. And, and somebody taught me this song. God is a rock and His ways are perfect. All His ways are judgment. The God of truth and without iniquity. 
Just and right is He. God is true. John chapter 14, verse 16. Jesus says, as we are very familiar with this in verse 6, I am the way, the way, the truth, the life. Dropping down in that same chapter in verse 17, He says, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. He calls the spirit of truth. Chapter 16, verse 13, He says, however, when He, the spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth. He has promised that to His disciples. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are full of truth. There's no questions that we have to say. I know you said this, Lord, but that's on our part, not there. Let me read this. Holy Spirit guided the uh, the disciples of Jesus to recall what Jesus had taught them and help them to understand how to apply Jesus' teaching in the coming situations that they would be facing. The Spirit did not create a new information, but declared only what had already been given to Him by Jesus and the Father and taught it to the disciples. No new message, same message, who Jesus was and who Jesus is. Okay, let's, let's bring this to a close. Um, that's the points that we have viewed this evening. I want to make this point very clear. When the Holy Spirit protected the truth of the disciples witnessing to people, the Spirit also ensures the truth of our witness in this world. We relied on we rely on gospel accounts like John so that we might see him as he has been described. And he worded it this way in John chapter 20, verse 31. But these things are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. In John chapter 20, as we wrap up our time together, starting with verse 19 through 23, this we find within these, this passage, the Apostles' Commission. We call it the Great Commission. Matthew, we are recognizing. Mark, we recognize. Luke even has one in chapter 24. But here John's is John's Great Commission recorded. On the evening of the resurrection, verse 19, Jesus came to His disciples because they're hiding. They're behind locked doors and windows and afraid of those who have crucified Jesus. Now some have gone to the empty tomb and found it empty. Some have heard Mary Magdalene's witness of the fact that she had talked with Jesus and yet they're hiding. 
But here Jesus stands among them. And He commissions them. Listen to what it says in verse 21. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. There's the great commission. But He wanted to reaffirm sending them by breathing on them, it says, and saying, receive the Holy Spirit. And then He says some very interesting things in verse 23. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Why? They have some power, don't they? Only because they have the Holy Spirit. Because that's the message of the Holy Spirit. That's not the message of their own. They're not going to go to somebody who doesn't deserve to be forgiven and say, you're forgiven. They only repeat what the Spirit shares with them. Because they receive that Spirit. As I conclude, uh, let me say that the disciples needed the Holy Spirit to take the message. We need the Holy Spirit to take the message. And how do we know if we have the Spirit? One of many ways that I want to leave you with is this. If you have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, Gentleness and self-control. The fruit of the Spirit. That's what the Spirit produces in us. And it's just not love that is on the movie screen. And it's just not joy when things are going okay. It's joy all the time. As hard as that might be at times. But that's what the Spirit produces in us. Along with that peace that passes all understanding. That gentleness, that self-control. I'm working on all of those, but especially that one. With the help of the Holy Spirit. This evening, there may be someone that needs to place Him on and receive the Holy Spirit by repenting and being baptized. There may be somebody who have done that and yet you're not producing the fruit of the Spirit as you should. You have not began that faith process of, of being trusting and active and obedient and submissive. Taking Him at His Word. Where my... When I was born and I was taken home on Kessler Road in River Oaks, Texas. That's a suburb of Fort Worth. And as a boy, I grew up there, and my dad and his and some of my uncles put uh, built a garage separate from the house. And it was pretty. As a boy, it looked high. There was a tree on the other side of that, and I would climb that tree and get on top and play on top of that that roof. And I used to start at the peak of that as a boy, run down and jump off. I survived. I told my children about that. And so when we would come down from Wisconsin or from Iowa, wherever it was that we were coming from and, and visit them, I told them about climbing that tree over here and 
playing on top of that roof. Well, one of my, all of my kids got up there and played one day. They all jumped off except one, and that was Sarah. She said, oh, Dad, this is too far. Now, now a man, I could reach up and touch the edge of that, of that, uh, of that uh, garage roof. So that's how close it was. And she would sit on the edge, and I said, Sarah, just jump in my arms and I'll catch you. Will you jump into the arms of Jesus tonight? Will you jump into His arms tonight with that trusting, submissive, obedient faith? We're going to sing a song. And if you are subject to to come to Him, we want you to do that. I thought it was interesting last week, Scott said, let's all stand and sing. He didn't realize we don't stand and sing here. So you just stay seated. We're going to sing, but if there's a need, all you have to do is raise your hand. And someone will serve you. Let's sing. Holy Spirit dwell, will you touch my eyes? We are the family of God, striving to be everything we are, people of more, ready to receive our King, let's sing, oh, oh, Christ our Lord, we are Oh